Welcome to the Professionals Podcast, where we explore how upskilling and continuing education can unlock new career possibilities and social impact for adult learners. I'm your host, Luke Kasim, and I'm joined by my co-host, Amanda Gillespie. Hi there. And as always, we're thrilled to have you join us on this exciting journey. Today, we are very, very excited to have a recent alum. Our first alum. <laughs> our first alum, actually, on this podcast today, Brian Carley. And so, you know, Brian reached out to us, actually reached out to the dean just to share the experience that he had in the uh, program itself. And we are so excited to learn more about you, what you do, and how you apply in this program. So before we really get into it, you just mentioned that you came back from Europe. So I'd love to know yes. where did you go? How much food did you eat? <laughs> what was exciting for you? And which are your favorite places? Oh, uh, let's see. So I flew over on uh, September 5th. Flew into Paris, Charles de Gaulle, and uh, picked up a rental car and drove into Paris, which is every bit as terrifying as it sounds. <laughs> um, stayed over for a couple of nights to uh, visit with uh, some former colleagues of mine who uh, reside in Paris. Nice. And then uh, drove the next day, or the third day in, down to a little town called uh, Verbier, which is in the Swiss Alps. And uh, stayed there, and it was just, just it's a postcard. Yeah, I was if, say you, postcard yeah. if you take a picture, I, I, I took a picture and uh, sent it to my mom, and she said, That's from some postcard. And I said, <laughs> No, it's literally, and I did a selfie, and it's me, <gasps> Ma, come on. And so um, that, was, that, was, uh, that was really great. And then moved on to uh, Italy. Okay. Um, Liguria, which is Santa Margherita Liguria, everybody calls it Santa. It's a uh, beautiful place. Right there on the sea near uh, Portofino. And uh, mm. they actually have, it's a very interesting thing, there is a, a fishing boat that goes out super early every morning. And then it ties back up at the pier at about 9 once it's caught its haul. And then it just starts frying it <laughs> right there on the really? boat. And so you would wake up with that smell of calamari and oh. um, everything else just drifting over and... Uh, yeah, should I call my cardiologist? What do <laughs> no, I do? no, no. <laughs> Everything's fine. You're on vacation. It's going to be okay. Besides, it's Europe. You're going to walk it off. That's very true. That's very true. Then drove uh, then drove uh, back uh, westward um, and stopped in Monaco and Cannes. Uh, checked out the uh, yacht show because I'm former Navy and I love boats. I used okay. to live on a boat and had a great time. And then I went up to uh, Oslo and... Spent a couple of weeks at a friend's house babysitting, cooking, you know, swimming, you know, going in the sauna, swimming in the fjord. Oh, <laughs> just doing terrible just, just doing, yeah, 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 yeah. Sounds like a lot of fun. Well, I promised it to, I said that this is my graduation gift. So mm -hmm. I hadn't been on vacation for four years. So I really wanted to go. So oh, as well, this right. yeah, <laughs> that's how you do a vacation, not Absolutely. you know three days and come back kind of situation. This no, is great. No. So you mentioned you know being in the Navy, yes, and uh, you know as we mentioned earlier, your recent graduate program. But can you tell us a little bit more about who you are? You know uh, what you've done, what you've accomplished, and how did you find this program? Well, I used to work primarily in uh, technology, um, in uh, project management, implementing software solutions, etc. And one day, all I, I kind of was overworking, to be, you know, be honest. And one day, I, I just started feeling more and more run down. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was talking to my parents because I call my parents pretty religiously, you know, every day. And they live in Florida. 
And my dad hangs up the phone when we're done, turns to my mom and says, Brian doesn't sound right. Mm. And they got on a plane at 6.30 the next morning and flew to San Francisco and made me go to the hospital. And I won't go into the particulars, but it was an experience where upon my release during my uh, sort of checking out with my attending physician, she said, made a very serious face and said, you should probably over the coming year put your affairs in in order. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that... That is, you know, a gut check, right? (laughs) And it really kind of, it makes you look at everything. And I'd been looking at, and I was just really kind of happy to be up and out of that hospital bed. And then that was like, wow, that is a good time to look at your life and and with the time, what time you've got left. And so that was actually December 26, 2013. When I went back to work, I found my focus shifting from how do I implement technology and processes that help companies be more efficient and realize more revenue and retain more customers to how do I help guide firms into behaving responsibly and managing risk appropriately and not allowing themselves to be used as vectors for, you know, extremists, um, illicit financial flows money laundering, et cetera. And so that's when I really made the shift from being more of like a technology generalist to really specializing in um, financial crime. Okay. So a real career changer. Right? It, it, yeah, yeah. I, it, it really, really was. And the odd thing, there was really not much of a conscious decision about it. You know, it's kind of like surfing, right? You know, you see that the swells were breaking over to the left, you know, aren't breaking the same way that you might like anymore. And you look over to the right and, oh, okay, well, I'll pick up, I'll paddle out that way. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there wasn't any big conscious decision on my part, I think. But it just wound up being my new area. Mm-hmm. And, and over the same time, I realized and my doctors realized, wow, you're getting better. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, it's like, actually, doc, I think my memory's better than it was before. Oh. And he's, and he's like, well, let's look at your MRIs, sort of your before and after pictures. And he said, yeah, the literature says that your brain can rewire itself inside of 15 minutes, but I've never actually seen it. And I was like, <laughs> you know, pointing to myself, yeah. you're okay. talking to me, <laughs> you know, like De Niro, right? You know, you talking to me. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, I, think that's pretty much what happened. So they had, t- uh, the state of California had taken away my driver's license because I was, you know, so wobbly. So uh, I had to get that back and, you know, any, just so many things that I kind of had to. Steps that you had to take. Yeah, to just to relearn. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm just really lucky in my case that, you know, I feel like it happened, you know, that it made me a better person, quite frankly. I definitely feel like I contribute more mm-hmm. um, than I, you know, maybe was doing before. I'm just, this is such an interesting story. So let me <laughs> ask you this, Brian. After everything that you just walked us through and our listeners through, how did you find the Homeland Security Program? And what did it for you? Like, what made you say, this is going to be my second chapter, my best yeah. chapter yet? Mm-hmm. Well, I was looking, so um, I had gotten to the point where, because my son had uh, 
we had gotten him into, uh, he's, he was previously a sergeant um, in the Army, and we had managed to get him into the commissioning pipeline, and uh, he's currently uh, finishing up his master's at uh, Boston College. And so I kind of, so at that point, it was like, whew, right. okay, <laughs> you, know, you know, the kid is on a career track where he needs to be, the Army is paying for it, which is awesome. <laughs> And so now I really, you know, and him going back to school kind of got me thinking, well, you could go back to school and do that unfinished business of finally getting my degree. And so I I looked around at a number of different schools and the Homeland Security program was really, aside from one intelligence studies uh, program that I found at another institution, Homeland Security really dovetailed super closely with what I had been doing professionally. Um, Everything from computer crime to, you know, looking at issues around terrorist financing, you know, extremism, all of those things, you know, the the lawyers will call predicate offenses to -hmm. things like money laundering. And so it was just, it, it seemed on paper, looking at the courses and the instructors like a great fit. And Jim Miller from the program was super responsive to my inquiries. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I talked to him one afternoon and then punctually uh, the next morning at about you know 8.50 in the morning, my phone rings and it's Jeff Delinsky. And he's <laughs> like, hey, I hear you're interested in my program. Private director <laughs> Jeff Delinsky, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, yes, so um, it did not take uh, much uh, preaching from, for, for him to – I was pretty much 90% sold. So um, I got into the program and it was great because I was, I was always pretty flippant about being the oldest guy in the room and, uh, but nobody treated me like it, which was great. And um, by the way, the whole thing of the, you know, being sick and the year and everything, I never, this is my first time telling anybody at GW about it. But everybody um, just uniformly across the program was so great. And having a cohort of students, many of whom are veterans, mm-hmm. which is awesome. So my partner would hear me on in class uh, because I was working from then. We were living in Hawaii. And I signed off of a class, and she stopped by my desk, and she said, you know, it seems like you found your tribe again. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. And I was like, yeah, I, I reckon I did. So, yeah, so I think it was just a combination. It was that combination of being an on-paper fit plus, you know, having, having you, know, really, you know, really great faculty and program directorship and, you know, great, great classmates to, 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 to learn with. It was pretty uh-huh. awesome. I, I don't want this moment to pass without saying thank you for sharing that story with us. I think I was just stunned by what you've gone through and just persevering day after day and day after day to get to where you needed to be. And then going through the process of making a decision about, okay, this is the next step I want to take and this program is going to help me get to that next stage. Right. Which epitomizes a lot of our career changes and mm-hmm. adult learners is you have folks who start in one field, and change into something else. Right. And everyone goes through that stage of conversation with yourselves, conversations with your loved ones, and just figuring out, okay, I know my why, mm-hmm. but what about the how? Yeah. You know, how do I take that next step? And you just mentioned just, you know, coming into the program, and definitely a shout-out to Jeff Delinsky. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's amazing. 
But talk to us a little bit more about when you start a class mm-hmm. and how you navigated being back in school and what you needed to do to be still you mm-hmm. and also working towards your goals. Right. Well, um, and also at the same time, I was, uh, I was working um, full time. So it was a bit of a juggling act, but actually uh, with the time difference between here and Hawaii, it was perfect because, uh, you know, class would be at six typically. And, you know, at uh, six, you know, local time in uh, Eastern time. But for me in Hawaii, it was, uh, it was noon. So it was lunch. Mm-hmm. So instead of, you know, doing what I might have normally done and go catch a couple of waves and eat a sandwich <laughs> at lunchtime. Sounds delightful. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, instead, I, you know, that would, be, that would be class time. And that aspect of it, just the logistics, just worked out of, you know, of it just worked out perfectly for me. And then also, too, I last went to college um, and I ran out of money at Dartmouth um, years ago. I mean, long time ago, way before, way before internet, et cetera. And so what, to me, it's not like I came back and said, wow, this is just so easy, subject matter wise, because the subject matter is challenging. It makes you think, especially in an intelligence analysis and critical thinking, stuff like that. But not having to physically go to the library, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) you know, having, you know, being having multiple monitors and just being able to access what you need to me was just like, I've stepped into the future. This is awesome. And so just coming from a paradigm of actually, you know, books and Dewey Decimal System, et cetera, et cetera. You're really going back. <laughs> I know, right? I know, I know. Next thing, we're going to talk about rotary dial phones. But that really was, that was really interesting to me is like, wow, it's just so much more efficient now, assuming that you use the technology appropriately, et cetera, et cetera, right? I mean, that's always a big if. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Engagement and cohorts. And so how has the networking been now that you're a part of that GW alumni fantastic network? Do you keep in contact with your cohort, your class that graduated? Yeah, there, there, there are a couple of folks that I uh, keep in contact with. It, it is a little just because I, I typically, um, you know, I'm, I was pretty much the only, per, only student based in Hawaii and one of very few on the West Coast. And so that kind of tends to be sort of, you know, a, a separator sometimes. Mm. But when I get back here, I especially like try to meet up with folks. There are a number of professors with whom I've connected just because, you know, professionally, a lot of us are kind of into the same stuff. Mm. And uh, I have, you know, reached out and consulted folks about, you know, cybersecurity questions because I've done a fair bit of that and uh, gotten my certifications as uh certified anti-money laundering specialist and financial crime specialist. And so a lot of that stuff aligns with a lot of what's in the Homeland Security curriculum. Yeah. So you just mentioned two certifications. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're a certified financial crime specialist, and you're also a certified anti-money laundering specialist. So can you talk to us about the real-world applications of those certificates and what you learned from them? Absolutely. So starting with financial crime first. So financial crime can cover anything from, so for example, uh, obviously the obvious things like fraud, 
or uh, cyber, you know, cyber theft, because typically cyber theft tends to involve taking money mm-hmm. <laughs> um, electronically. It's, you know, it's ones and zeros, but it's still money. And um, then also it can be art and antiquities, for example. Next time you go to a museum or looking at someone's collection, I always look to see if, for example, a statue is missing its feet because the feet are probably still back in the temple in Cambodia or wherever, you know, before the thieves sawed it, you know, sawed it off and stole it. There is also environmental crime. I had the intelligence analysis portion of, uh, of the coursework was really helpful when we were trying to understand an individual who was depositing huge amounts of cash every week in one state and then using his debit card in another. And he claimed to own a fish, like a fish seafood restaurant. And nobody could figure it out until, and this was pretty shortly after I'd finished the intelligence analysis course, and I saw, wow, he's got a power bill of 1100 bucks a month. And in that particular geography, typical power bill is like 100 bucks, right? And so, huh. And I remember, and what was interesting about that is that one of my former cohort members, he's actually on temporary loan to DEA. And I remembered just like, you know how you kind of have that flash? Mm-hmm. And I remembered something that he said about being able to spot the meth houses in winter because all the snow is melted off the roof. And just, and just, just right then I was like, and I was like, holy mackerel, it's drugs. I don't know what kind of drugs, but it's drugs. And so just kind of pursuing and pulling that thread further, I found where the subject had incorporated an LLC with a foreign word for cannabis in the name <laughs> okay. in the name of the LLC, and it was an individual with prior uh, felony trafficking issues, so he was unable to get a license, and evidently said, "Oh, I will just set up shop and just start growing anyway." I then went and looked at the overhead imagery for the address where this uh, entity was registered. I was like, wow, those are three giant grow houses. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, I mean, each of them were twice as large as the uh, actual dwelling and, and the dwelling it was a farmhouse. It was huge. And then the kicker came when, and this was totally above board, his mm-hmm. Instagram account. I just want everybody to know this. His Instagram account was totally unlocked and public and private. I didn't hack anything or anything like that, but it was posted publicly and his quote unquote friends had tagged him inside the grow house. Oh Oh my God. Standing (laughs) in the midst of a veritable forest of some of the biggest cannabis plants I've ever seen. Cyber footprint. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, friends don't. So that was just one of those great case studies that I still use with clients who can tend to be very focused on just, oh, we need to find this technology system and we need, you know, AI that can do. And I'm like, you know, AI can't do tradecraft yet. It Mm. can't do open source intelligence analysis yet. Even, you know, some of the, you know, IBM and Palantir technologies that are out there are not going to be able 
to have that. They're not going to be able to remember a class that they were in where a DEA guy made an off-the-cuff comment about the snow melting off of meth houses. And so that that was just right there. Like, I mean, wow, you know, that's where you, you know, you you both have the tools, you're getting the tools to do the job. And then you're also building kind of like your storehouse, right? Of information that you can thin slice against. And so that and, and you're not just trying to do things off of your own, you know, onboard knowledge, right? Because that's it's never enough. You you need to learn both from the con you know, the academic sources and then also your peers. So this was a great place to do that. That's amazing. So when you think about everything you just mentioned, mm-hmm. what you've accomplished and this bright, shiny new degree, mm-hmm. question is what's next? Well, I have, I'm happy to report that I've been accepted into University of Melbourne Law School. Yes, it's the one with the So being able to practice here in the States. This is chapter three. Right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Adult yeah. learner. Yeah. It's well, and that's the thing. I mean, it, it um, there's a German proverb that translates roughly into your appetite comes with eating. Right. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that I found and people would be like, wow, you're taking all these cyber courses and, you know, you've graduated. You don't need that. And I'm like, dude learning can't stop right you know it's like a shark you know you know if it stops the water doesn't move through its gills and it sinks like a set of car keys you know so you have to keep learning it's amazing just the uh, looking at the chapters in your life and how you're turning each page now i want to go back a little bit uh to you mentioned your son uh being in the army mm-hmm. and they're helping pay for his education and you were in the navy yes so How's that interaction, Army, Navy, in the house? So uh, pretty good until we get in a football season. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was going. And then, think, <laughs> that's where you and then going. Think, things take a turn. So my dad was Army. Two of his brothers were Army. And then the other brother is a retired uh, Navy, uh, Navy uh, Master Chief, Boston's mate. And he lives down in San Diego. So... Um, it's a nice gig. So, yeah, there's two of us in the family who are Navy and everyone else's Army. Going back pretty much uh, to, um, you know, when cavalry rode horses. So that's kind of, you know, I would, you know, I wouldn't call us a military family per se, but that's, you know, kind of qualifies. been our thing. Yeah. I think it yeah. qualifies. We can go back that far. I think it qualifies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you for your service, your entire family too. Oh, no, it um, – uh, I got to drive fast boats around and not have to pay for the gas. And so I thank you as taxpayers <laughs> for uh, subsidizing that tomfoolery. <laughs> well, you know, this is one of the times I've said, you're welcome. <laughs> Happy to do it. Now, I'm curious, any Marines in the family? No, we don't have any of those. <laughs> we don't have any of those. I don't know why. Um, I asked my son when he was looking at services and uh, – he said, and, and, and I, was, I was like, well, you think about the what particular service, you know, Marines. And, and he just looked back at me and said, I think I like nice things too much. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But the funny thing is, is that down in Fort Bliss on the border where he was before in Texas, that kid takes a Humvee out and he, you know, he would volunteer for like every 
you know, like for every, you know, solo patrol and just, you know, just be out there with, you know, chili Mac MREs and, uh, and just, and, and, and he loved it out there. So, yeah. So he's going actually into cyber. So yeah, he's getting his master's in cyber. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that transition goes for him as well. That's great. Do you guys ever discuss, you know, anything, everything that's going on within cyber? Yeah, well, actually, because he had a degree and he had chosen to go in as enlisted and we had had words about that. And then I said, well, you know, it's your jet, you're flying it. So I'm going to let you fly your mission profile. And when you need a hand, give me a call. And sure enough, he gives me a call one day and says, Dad, the Mickey Mouse, I just can't handle it. And, you know, conversation got a little bit more profane from there but um (laughs) and so I said well what do you want you want to get out you want to come work with me you want he's like no I can't I can't sit behind a desk all day and Mm -hmm. I was like okay well think about the commissioning track and he's like yeah but in what and I said well hey there is uh what's called a federal um virtual training environment and you as an active duty service member have access to it and it has all sorts of free cybersecurity courses on it so why, so why don't you check out some of those courses, maybe take a couple of introductory ones and see if it's something that, you know, suits your fancy. And then because there's, you know, that's a critical skill right now in DOD. And if you like that, then maybe that's something you can pursue and leverage to get yourself into a commissioning program. And so he went and I thought he was just going to do like one or two courses and he calls me back three days later. He's like, hey, Dad, I finished seven courses, and uh, I'm really, really interested. And, you know, when you're a parent, you're just like, ah, yes, <laughs> molding young minds. Yeah. I you love go. it. I love it. I love it. And so he wound up uh, actually having kind of a similar conversation with the program director at Boston College that I had with Jeff Delinsky, where the guy called him and said, oh, well, you know, I know that you're you're on active duty now. What have you actually done in a cyber world? And my kid Chris names off this, 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 and this. And the director's like, "Oh, um, you should apply." <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, and so that 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 all wound up, you know. And again, you know, kind of to go back to my surfing analogy, you know, sometimes you know the waves stop breaking over on one side and you see that they're breaking, you know, over there. And even though you don't always surf in that spot, that's where the waves are. That's where you go. And so, you know, he saw that and it's a lot easier for him because he's young Mm -hmm. and not a crotchety stuck in a mud individual like yours truly. So it's interesting how you put yourself in in or uncomfortable places Mm -hmm. in order to grow. Right. I love that analogy with the surfing. Yeah. That that's productive discomfort zone. Um, and so I will tell you honestly on the inside, I'm terrified about starting law school, especially in another country, even though I've been to Australia before, but being nervous is typically like, at least to me is my nervous systems way of telling me that this is what I need to be doing. Because if I'm super comfortable, um, I'm, I'm at risk of being left behind, mm-hmm. overtaken mm-hmm. by events, right? And so I think that when you have that discomfort, it, it's a sign that you are actually stretching the way that you should as a, as a human being. So what did your parents say when you, 
and you got accepted, shared the news. My mom just like started crying and I was like, whoa, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I didn't, I wasn't looking, that's not the reaction. She's like, no, I'm just so happy for okay. you and just that everything just, you know, da, 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 da. and 10 years ago, we didn't even know if we'd still have you around and now you're doing all these things. And I was like, ah, well, you know, and I was like, well, you're the reason because, uh-huh. you know, so because if you guys hadn't flown out to California when you did, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, kids, keep in touch with your parents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's wow. goosebumps right there. Absolutely. With everything you've gone through, mm-hmm. what advice would you give those who are contemplating what that next stage looks like? whether they want to change careers, go back to school. I mean, you figure out what works for you mm-hmm. and what drives you to make these decisions. But what advice would you give someone who's on the fence and not quite sure what that next step looks like for them? Well, number one, I'd say that any step you take, you need to make sure that you're making a, taking a deliberate step to get to something and not running away Wait from something. I would also say that, you know, look at yourself like an, anth- like an anthropologist and look at your opportunities and uh, challenges like an intelligence analyst and learn and ask people for feedback. You know, be like, hey, you know, uh, I have a sense that, so for example, one of my blind spots as a leader and then also just in general is that after I came out of the hospital, I got really ruthless with my time because I was just on, you know, I mean, I, I was basically in this, man, I can't even buy green bananas. I don't have time to sit here no. and listen and listen to this sales pitch. Got to go buy. And instead, somebody was nice enough to, when I asked them, hey, kind of what's something I can work on? It's like, well, you could maybe like turn off your laptop, close up your laptop and actually pay attention when to somebody when they're talking. Because there's a sense that Sometimes, like, your meter's running. <laughs> and, yeah. and, 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 yeah, and so it's like, okay, all right, I don't want the people in my life thinking that, so, so I need to be, make that change. Yeah, be present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah, and being present and just that whole notion of clear-mindedness, and I'm not here to bring a whole bunch of, like, California meditation, um, <laughs> you know, hoodoo, you know, to anybody. But It's yeah, okay. It's but, okay. A, but, a, but a clear, calm mind just works so much better than a worried, you know, trying to chew over past mistakes and then, you know, try to figure out everything that might happen in the future. And and being, you know, Amanda really hit the nail on the head is that being present is so huge, Mm -hmm. um, especially, and it's a major competitive advantage in, in in a society where a lot of folks are, you know, they're they're staring down at little glowing rectangles in their hands all the time. You know, be present yeah. is absolutely what I would say t- takes takes first place. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think for me and just how quickly everything is moving mm-hmm. in the world today, and how distracted and how people are stressed the anxiety levels, it's really just to take that moment and refocus, whether that is on a work project, whether Mm -hmm. that's within your family, but have both feet planted in that conversation. Yeah. And I think you're right. Things can get absolutely just out of control very quickly. Yes. And and to have that presence um, that you were mentioning about is, is key, not just for 
successfully completing anything in life, whether it's a degree or, you know, other milestones within a career or personal journey. It's just having that mindset, I think, mm-hmm. is is truly one of the key factors. And how oh, you've yeah. gotten, I mean, just all the iterations of yourself that we've been lucky to, to hear about today is just amazing. And you kind of have that red thread throughout all of your chapters that you've discussed. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, when you look back, and again, um, you know, it's kind of like asking a fish if he sees the water, right? I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's around you, and it's, it's only through some level of introspection and reflection, right? And so, especially living in Hawaii, um, you know, or living, uh, living on my boat um, in Sausalito uh, Harbor, like I used to, a lot, you know, people would think like, "Wow, that Carly man, he's just." he's just banging two laptops and he's, you know, and Mm -hmm. he's, and he's crushing it. And he's like, you know, you know, putting out the work product. And it's like, actually, you know, I hate to admit this. I probably spend 60% of my time staring at the water, Mm. sitting and thinking, thinking and sitting before I commit pen to paper or, you know, fingers to, to, to keyboard. And as far as the big, you know, things that look like big problems compared to like the problems you can have with your health, They're yeah. really not big problems. And even if they are, nice thing is you have a good meal, glass of wine, get some sleep. They'll still be there in the morning. Absolutely. Something that we're all still trying to practice. <laughs> the work will be there tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> the work will definitely be there tomorrow. Is there anything else that you'd like to just share with students, whether they're looking at Homeland Security as a mm-hmm. great program and a great path for them or another path, but really just as adult learners, what else would you like to say to them? Well, what I would like to emphasize is that I believe the um, Homeland Security program and body of knowledge just to be a really extensible and adaptable, you know, set of tools. I think it strikes a really good uh, balance between practical hands-on and then also, you know, the the strategic thinking, the the ethics, the um, critical thinking. And if you are looking at going into pretty much any, especially if you're thinking about going, for example, even working, you know, we have 16 critical infrastructure sectors in this country, right? You know, we have financial services, we have agriculture, we have healthcare, and all of those sectors have issues and risks and vulnerabilities that may or may not be, as we see, like with these different hacks and stuff that happen, those firms may not, and those organizations may not really be defending against them adequately. So no matter what you're planning on going into in an increasingly, I won't say dangerous world because that's a cliche, but in an increasingly dynamic world. Yeah, it doesn't sound as paranoid. Um, in an increasingly dynamic world where, so for example, look at how many firms were caught flat-footed by COVID. Mm-hmm. And I work with one organization, had made no digitization efforts at all. Just everything was just, you know, files. There was even, there was even a file cabinet um, in the men's restroom and it was locked and nobody knew what was in it. <laughs> and, and, I was, and I was just like... Do I even ask? No. And it was just, you know, it was the elephant in the company, right? Like nobody, you know, like, you know, don't don't ask about what's in that cabinet. It's probably like some sort of documentation somebody, 
I don't know. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, I mean, I guess maybe the shredder was broken or what. So that was that kind of event that they were just totally, um, you know, unprepared for. And um, any place you go, the person who has developed those critical thinking skills and uh, problem management skills and, you know, uh, emergency communications and, and, and planning and incident management and has something of an ability to see around corners mm. using that intelligence analysis tool set is going to be of, you know, incrementally, in, in, incrementally greater value to an organization than somebody who just crunches numbers and just delivers, oh, these are the numbers. I don't really know where they're pointing at or anything like that, but, you know, you know, look at the beautiful PowerPoint slides. <laughs> well, I just want to say, Brian, thank you so yes. much for making time for us today. My talking pleasure. Talking about your experiences, sharing your story, and trusting us with that story. And not just us, but our listeners as well. And really just, I think, shedding a light on the experience of a career changer mm-hmm. and an adult learner and how you personally dealt with the fears and the anxiety that comes along with making such a change. We appreciate that. Thank you for trusting us. I appreciate you guys inviting me. This is awesome. Oh, yeah, it is. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Tell your friends. Yes, please. Especially in Hawaii. (laughs) So as we close out, remember, we want to hear from you. If you have any questions, feedback, or recommendations about the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us. You can email us directly at theprofessionals at gwu.edu. And don't forget to subscribe and mark your calendars for the next episode of The Professionals Podcast. We'll see you soon.